The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Lucy Chamberlain is my special guest as well as answering your gardening questions on all things from runner beans, chilies, and bougainvilleas, we'll also bring you some top tips on things you've been getting on with in the garden. Plus, Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's start then with this week's Plant of the Week. Yes, sedum. I know it's changed its name, but I'm going to ignore that because as far as I'm concerned and everyone else, they're sedums. They're often commonly called stone crops. In the world, there's at least 600 species of sedum around, or, well, whatever they're called. They actually are a leaf succulent. They're generally found in the Northern Hemisphere, but you do find them down in South America. There's actually, in the family, there are annuals, creeping ones, shrub-like ones, um, but, you know, and the leaves, interestingly, store the water. What's one of my favourite? Well, of course, everybody's favourite is possibly Autumn Joy. And boy, is it looking something at this moment. Possibly starts flowering August, September, and right through to November. Flat top flowers, about 20 centimetres across, and actually sort of pinky going to copper and grows up to about two foot tall it's a gorgeous flower and should be in everybody's garden well i think so anyway the there are also the yellow stone crop which is fascinating because did you know you most likely didn't because i didn't either until i checked it out that you can actually use stone the yellow stone crop leaves in salads so if you fancy using them in salads, yellow stone crop. I don't fancy the ones off Autumn Joy. I can tell you they look a bit rubbery. But moving on, green roofs, very popular at the moment. Again, um, they're using the stone crop type, the flat growing of sedums. They're very popular. They're much better than grasses, we believe now. Um, they're extremely tolerant of most weathers. And if... Uh, if you happen to be passing the Rolls-Royce plant, it's got 240,000 square feet of roof covered in sedum. They're so easy to look after. They're tolerant of most soils, but they do not like sitting in soaking wet soils. Um, they're better in less fertile soils, and I think they benefit from a bit of sun, although they'll tolerate um, semi-shade as well. You cut them back in the spring to about an inch from the ground, and they will bush up. You can also split them in the spring as well. So what better to have than sedum? And if I were you, look out for Autumn Joy because it's one of my favourites. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast... Lucy and I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with John in Brentwood. Morning, Ken and Lucy. Hello. Uh, dogs and lawns don't go two things, figs and dogs. Dogs and lawn don't go together. <laughs> right. Uh, they, they produce 
too much. Is this right? They produce too much nitrogen for the grass to grow properly. Oh, what female dogs? No, if you male what? dogs, female dogs, you name it. No, You're male right. dogs don't. It's usually female. I dogs think it's just the, the females. Problem. Yeah, oh, we... well, these are female. Right. I've been doing some research and I've read up on something called dolmitic lime granules, mm-hmm. which apparently once they go into the ground, they reduce the nitrogen. Right. Um, is this a viable thing? The trouble is, then your lawn won't grow if you put. It'll grow, grow where the dogs go, but it won't grow. You know what you? I don't know a bit about muddly, that one, isn't it? Really? It might be. Um, I've, I, we've got a female dog. We've got a, a Labrador who comes to the hall with us, and one of the um, concerns of the owner, because he got all these fine lawns, was that she was she would scorch the grass with her urine. What do you do with her? We put um, tomato ketchup in her food. A squirt in the morning, a squirt at night, and there's some kind of. I don't know the chemistry. Maybe someone can explain it to me. There's some kind of acid alkaline mm. thing going on in her stomach that means that, it that it's, it. it's neutralizes it. And wherever she tittles on the grass, it works. Doesn't there's no scorching, none at all. So that's a really easy way to do it. And I was just thinking, going back to the dolomitic limestone, I can understand the science behind that. But but, but you've got every time where your dog goes to the loo on the grass, you then got to go out there with some limestone. And and I don't, I just don't. I, I, tomato ketchup is a, not worth a hassle. No, tomato right. ketchup okay. is the future. And the other one is there is a product called Dog Rocks that yeah, the people dog rocks. also claim. You put the dog rocks in your water mm. of the dog's water, and that also is supposed to help. That's I, a product. That's I haven't available. used them because they're quite co- they're quite pricey. They're not cheap. No, but so I don't know about yeah. those. But anything right. else for you, John? While we're on, yeah, the the fig problem. Yes. She's also got a massive great fig tree up there. Now, I seem to remember you talking about figs a few weeks ago. I always talk about figs because we like figs. Yeah, well, you said there should only be X amount of um, uh, little fresh ones for next year. Uh, This... This tree in particular looks like a giant Brussels sprout plant. Yeah, you'll find that within the next few weeks, some of the ones that are slightly larger than will sustain the winter will drop off. And I know Ah. one of the gardens that we look after uh, ourselves, that has just happened. The the floor is a carpet of things about the size of a large marble, would you say? And then the smaller Uh, ones stay Well, I'll I'll fix it, Donald. Are they dropping? No, we've been harvesting. And, no, uh, but the small ones. The small, no, not yet. They haven't dropped. They're still really green and hard. But the figs that we have had off them this year, because it's been so warm, have been delicious. Oh, yes. Great. Really good. Had a major crop. And they're, they're still just ripening now. Oh, no. We've, we've cl- well, this client who picks 25 every day off this big tree, mm. uh, we've cleared it. It's gone. And yeah. they're, they're finished. But it's dropped its larger small ones so what you want I'm is you. the yeah. only ones that will stay on nature will sort it out john you don't have to worry about it Right-o. nature sorts it out it'll drop the ones that will not overwinter is that right lucy yeah yeah and like i say if a, if a frost comes along that will knock them back as well and it's only the ones the size of a pea that will then overwinter yeah, yeah. So. these are quite big actually they'll yeah drop. they'll they'll, they'll, they'll drop. either drop or, or get knocked back by the frost all right, right then john Thank you very much for all that. That is a pleasure. And we go to, well, we go to another John. But John's in Holland on sea, aren't you, John? Good morning. Hi. Fine. Fine day in Holland. Anyway, how's it in Chelmsford? It's beautiful. Gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. really nice. What can we do for you? Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I bought a packet of grass seed. When I got it home, I noticed it was... It's got 2016 on it. What does that mean? Any idea? It doesn't say anything about what it means. 
Can I use it or do I take it back to where I bought it from? <laughs> um, it might be the, the, the batch. Um, often seed packets for, you know, the little small packets of seeds have when they were, when they were put together, um, when they were put in the packet. And uh, sometimes, so it might be that it was put into the box in 2016. But it's, not a, packet. Get... it's a packet of grass seed. Yeah. Is yeah. it a sealed? Right to you? Well, it's well hang on, hang on, hang on. How's it? How's it? How did it come? What's the sealing? Is it in paper? Is it in in foil type packaging? It's in a plastic container. It's a plastic bag. Plastic, kind of plastic bag. I like a sealed plastic bag. That would be sealed, all right. Sealed wouldn't plastic it? bag should be fine. Mm. So what does that 2016 mean, Ken? Does that mean when it was manufactured or when you should use it by all? It just doesn't say what, it's, what it means. We're guessing, because Lucy said, I think Lucy's right, it was most likely packaged in 2016. Oh, I see. So it still germinate. Should do. I reckon so within two years. You can try a bit on a bit of blotting paper or a bit of a kitchen roll, you know, anything like that. Try a bit, see if it germinates fine. If it doesn't, take it back. Yeah. Have you got a large okay, area to sow? Have you got a large area to sow? No, I'm just patching my back lawn where, you know, we've had the yeah. dry summer off. We've breaks it. Now we're going to put some seed in where it's gone bare. Yeah, yeah. I've used older grass seed than that before and it's germinated. Yeah. So. OK, thanks a lot. Pleasure. That's John in Holland on C. And we go down to Rayleigh to talk to Helen. Don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. Give us a call. You can also text us 81333. Pop Essex on the front. Uh, hello, Helen. Hello, good morning. Uh, um, I've got a ginger lily in the garden. It's in the flower bed, right? Mm. Now, I, I bought it all quite some time back now, and it was rather large, because you can't really call it a bulb, can you? It's, uh, you know, a, sort of a, a knobbly light. Like a, sort of more like a tuber, isn't it? Or a rhizome. Yeah, Are they right? I think they're rhizomes, rhizomes, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they're the rhizomes. Hedichium, yeah. Hedichium, yeah. It, it's, it was rather large. Anyway... Over the years, it's had the uh, it sprouted up quite mm -hmm. wide, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Now, what well, I'm moving, and um, I've thought long and hard about this, and I thought, oh, I'll leave it, I'll leave it. And I thought, no, that's it, <laughs> I've got to take it. Yeah. Now, I'm worried <laughs> because of digging the blooming thing up, supposing I hit part of it and chop it with my spade, is that going to kill it? No. As no, long you're as fine. It, and especially if, as long as it's got a sprout on it, it will grow. Yeah, yeah oh, it's, it's, it's like you're naturally lifting and dividing it. That's yeah. what if you yeah. wanted to propagate your ginger lily, that's what you would do. You would lift oh, it up right. and chop it yeah. into sections. So yeah. when, are you, when are you moving? Are you thinking about going soon? Yeah, well, October time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh fine. So actually, that would yeah. be perfect. Is it yeah. in flower at the moment? No, it's not. But it won't be long, and right. I have felt that. Most probably it won't after it's had that upset, but I don't <laughs> mind as long as I'm taking it yeah, with me. Yeah, exactly. It might, like you say, it might unsettle it a bit, but um, yeah. they're, they're fairly robust, to be honest, as long as it doesn't oh. get wet in the winter. That's the thing with all these tender tubers. They don't like being wet. In the winter. Cold and wet, don't like it. Give us a call now. 0800 111 It's as simple as that. And that was Helen from Rayleigh. And we, go, we stay in Rayleigh and we talk to Alex. <laughs> It might be, you know, it could be somebody up the road, Alex. You never know, do you? Well, exactly that. I'm wondering where she is. And that, <laughs> uh, that ginger lily does sound lovely, and I wish her all the best in the move, Helen. Right. <laughs> OK, so what are we talking on. about with yourself, Alex? Um, some tomatoes. So I've got younger siblings, and we've grown um, six, I think it was six tomatoes, and unfortunately three haven't made it, it but we've got two left. And I, I want to know... 
how can I uh, seed from the batch that we've got ready for next uh, season? Oh, not, that's not difficult, is it? So you want to actually propagate from those particular ones, Alex? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes, Collect I the seed. And we enjoyed it so much, so we thought, I, I thought, oh, why not give it another shot? And are they always the same, though, Lucy? No, depends, well, that's what I was going to say. A lot of tomatoes are what we call an F1 hybrid. Uh, and sadly, that means that it's, if you collect the seed this year from those fruits, it might not be exactly the same as what you've grown this ah. year because they've been crossed with another plant and you get this sort of variability. So You might um, get an interesting tomato or yeah. you could get the same tomato. Do you, you know can't... what the variety was, Alex? I don't because it was like one of our neighbours actually gave it over to us mm. Um, mm. and he, he was like, oh, we thought your younger siblings might like these. Yeah. Do, you know yeah. do, do you know what I'd do anyway, Alex? I would give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. I would try. Now, I, I don't know how you do it, but... Um, I was always taught that you smear the seed across glass and let them dry. Is that yeah. how do you do it? Yeah, or that's it. Plate? Like you say, wait for the fruit to be really ripe. Very uh, ripe. Really, yeah. really ripe. Almost Soft to the point sappy, of disintegrating. Yeah, because that when we'll actually get the seeds to mature. If you harvest them from like a green or orangey coloured tomato, the seeds won't be yeah. ripe. So wait for the fruit to really almost collapse on you. And then as Ken okay. says, you just sort of like smear extract them. them um, yeah, get and let them dry. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, Job done. Okay, no problem then on that one because I've already got them some in the pot, but they're not quite as how you said to do. We've got them right. straight from the fruit, but it, it's worth interesting. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, Alex, while you're on, I must tell you what this guy has just sent in on uh, an email because I thought it might interest you as well. This is Dave. He's just up the road in Wickford, actually, and he says, uh, just something that might inspire your listeners. Uh, he planted eight tumbler tomatoes in a plastic grow table this summer and he harvested 1,400 tomatoes <laughs> by the end of August. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So I thought that's a lot I, of tomato soup and tomato ketchup. You can have. I, I'd agree with you, but Alex, there you are. There's a the challenge for you next year. You've got to try and beat him. So one thousand two, one thousand two hundred. No, one thousand four hundred. He said. Okay. All right. Good luck. Okay. <laughs> that's very much Bye. indeed. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Lucy, what you got for us? Well, um, I was thinking it's time to prune some of your trees and shrubs. So if you've got any hedges, now's the time to give them a final cut so they've got a lovely clean outline for the winter. Because they've really grown this year, haven't they? Well, they have done. Some of them have, some haven't. We've had some in the drought that didn't and some in the got a bit more (laughs) water than they have done. But one that's done really well in the garden that I look after at East Dunlin is a Magnolia grandiflora. We have that on the terrace in the sunny spot. It's a beautiful evergreen magnolia and it produces these massive, massive flowers that are the size of dinner plates. Huge big things. And the scent of them is just gorgeous. If you're pruning and you've got a flower open next to you, you just take your time. You spend as long as you can pruning that plant because you really want to make the most of it. Um, but we have two columns of Magnolia flora, grandiflora either side of the main door on the terrace in full sun. And they've just gone a bit out of shape at the moment. So I'm going to get a ladder to them. Make sure someone stands on the bottom of the ladder because these Magnolias are up there 30 foot or so. And I'm just going to cut off the extension grope and try and shape them. So you can do that to any plant as well. Say if you've got bay or um pyrocanther, anything like that, they can just be shaped and crisped up for a nice clean outline, especially if they're on like the front of your house. They're like a real statement plant, aren't they? Mm, you want them very to look much good. so. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's a good one for you to get on with. And uh, what's your second tip then? Well, I am sure I'm not the only one who's been looking at their grass thinking, are you going to recover? <laughs> are you not? After that summer drought. They so, struggled, didn't they? Yes, yeah, some of them have. And some, are, some areas of grass have recovered really well. Uh, I noticed the areas, um, I was at my mum and dad's the other day, and the areas that were in the shade, they've already greened up. They don't need to do anything to encourage that grass to do any more than it's doing. It's already green, leafing up again, no problem. At Darnham Hall, where we are, we've got a lot of, the, the main lawn is uh, right in full sun. And we're also on really sandy, dry soil. And there's some patches there of grass that are just not going to come back. You can see they're grey. Um, they're quite clearly dead and so the autumn is a really good time to think okay actually I need to bite the bullet and reseed these areas they're not going to show any signs of life and, and greening up again I need to get in there and actually with a spade lift off the turf because there'll be a big old mat of thatch and roots and things slice that off and then rake over the earth fork it over put in a little bit of fertiliser if you like and then think about sowing some seed or laying new turf to try and make good because they really, some areas just will not come back. They won't. They won't. It was a phenomenal summer temperature-wise. So um, grass can cope to only, only so much. Thank you, Lucy. And we'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. As promised, I said we'd go straight back to the phones and we'll go to Josie because that's, she's next up. So Josie from Clacton, sunny Clacton, eh Josie? It's beautiful here <laughs> this morning, really, really lovely. Oh, lovely, very nice. So what you, what, what's your problem today well, then? Well, I've got two hydrangeas. I've, yeah. I've had one about seven years and one about five years and they're doing lovely. Mm -hmm. uh, they come up lovely and pink and then they go a really dusty colour which is not so nice but that wasn't what I was going to ask you what I was going to ask you was last week I was talking about them and I had two conflicting reports one said I should cut them down to six inches in the winter and the other people told me to completely leave them alone and don't touch them which I've always done yeah. so which one do I follow <laughs> so which one she got in here well, we don't know yet. That what, was, that's the... what is the hydrangea flower like? That, that's what Lucy and myself need to know. Um, it's the normal, everyday look what we call the, the mop, the mop the head. head. The, the big... It's not the bonnet or anything like that. The, the big round big... one. The big roundy sort of head. Yeah, yeah, it's not so big, but it is, it's, it is as big as the... It, it's the, the shape of the big one, yeah. but it's a smaller flower. We understand, Josie. It's quite Jessie. a nice size, about... Yep. Six inches across. Yeah, Great. And, they, and they're blue and pink and that sort of colours, yeah? Yes. And yeah, you say yours are pink, aren't they? They're for a short time and then they go, they, they look fade. like they're almost dead, but of course they're not. They're just yeah. Right, OK, we know what you've got then. They're mop head type. So ah. what would we do with those, Lucy? So, Josie, you said that one of your friends yeah, says to leave them alone. A bit worry. And yeah. uh, I would follow the advice oh, no, of that the person. Oh, about yes. down. I was going to get to that about. in a minute. No, what you, want to, what you want to do is to leave them alone. Because the, yeah. the mop head hydrangeas, uh, the way they're pruned is literally in the spring when they start budding up and you can see the, um, the, the green leaves appearing on the bare stems. You then just nibble over the plant with the secateurs and cut off the old flower heads. And at that time you can also thin out some of the congested growth in the centre if you want to. Um, right. But I think what the other friend was talking about is there's another kind of hydrangea, which is a, a lovely, beautiful one. You've got, the, um, you've got hydrangea paniculata 
and hydrangea quercifolia. Now those ones are pruned in a different way, really hard, almost like the way you prune a buddleia. If you prune a buddleia down really hard, these hydrangeas are similarly pruned like that because they flower in a different way. Um, if you did that to your mop head hydrangeas, cut them back really hard, you'd lose all the flowers. For the, right. for the for the year so that's why we just say don't do that with the mop heads just nibble them back and uh and do that in the spring once the uh leaf buds just appear right that is almost what i have been doing actually yeah. and they, they do give a lovely show but what why do they lose their color so quickly they um, come out there, a lovely pinky color and then in, in a few weeks they're sort of like um look they look like dried flowers do you feed it at all uh, yes, but just a normal tomato. No, that's right. If it's a pink one, you just need a normal food. You yeah. don't want to. And are they in pots, Josie, or are they in the ground? They're in, in the ground. They're in the ground. Yeah, I was just going to say maybe sometimes if they dry out a they, little bit, yeah, which a pot grown plant would, uh, would do, then um, that might be a possibility. It might be just the heat wave from this year. Um, yeah. Just try when they're flowering just to keep them really well watered and well fed. And that's all you can do. Otherwise, it might be a variety trait for that particular hydrangea. Moving on to Sheila from Hadley. Hello, Sheila. Hello, Ken. Bougainvilliers are we talking about? Yes, yes. What would you like to know, I've Sheila? Got, well, it's been a beautiful one. Two um, branches, uh, the deep pink. Lovely. And uh, it's really been lovely. But the thing is, I'm wondering if I've overwatered it because I touched it and all the um, blooms falling off. Oh. Yeah, right. Where are you? Tell us where the bougainvillea is. Indoor, outdoor? It's in the conservatory. Right. Facing south. And are the leaves still on, Sheila? Or, and are the, so is it just the flowers that are falling? Uh, it's just the flowers. Just the, the flowers. Leaves, the leaves are fine, mm -hmm. but um, they do go um, sort of, uh, how can I say, when I think it needs a drink, yeah. I give it water, and then they back up again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do, yes, so, yes. So they look a little bit dull, and then you think, oh, okay, that plant now needs the water, and you water it, and then they, they perk up. That's, that's right, yeah. yes. Yeah, so if it's just, just the flower bracts falling, Sheila, then I think you're going to be all right. If it was all the, the leaves as well, then yes, you oh, might no. have overwatered it. But because the leaves are oh. all right... I think that bougainvillea is going to be okay. Um, when oh, was it last repotted? When did you last repot it? Oh, dear. Uh, last year, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. So you can probably... I say I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. I think the flowers have obviously just finished. And it's as long as the leaves are healthy, then you're okay. No worry at all. Now, that's Sheila from Hadley. And we move now to... Angel's Green to talk to Eve about your sweet peas. Which sweet pea have you grown then, Eve? Well, can you remember when uh, Lucy was on last, I told you about this one sweet pea that oh. overwintered and uh, it got through the beast from the east. Yeah. And, of course, I mean, all right, halved in size, but it's still, it was still huge. Well, out of curiosity, I thought I'd count the blooms as I picked them off. And I got to 1,500 and then got fed up. Really? And then... My uh, God. So after that, I let the plant get on and do, do its thing. Mm. And actually, it finished up smothered with just small stalks, little small blooms. And when I took it up, it was absolutely smothered in pods. Right. 
So and you've got a bit of a beast of a beast of a plant on your hands there, you as well. Yes, I think it was one of Thompson and Morgan's heritage ones. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's because that's. Um, I think that sat in the ground. Uh, I think I planted those or set the seed in 2016, uh, and it was yeah. the autumn of 17 that this pea appeared. Right. I'm and with I you. thought you were going to be too big if I took you up and put you in the greenhouse <laughs> and sheltered you. I thought, just get on with it. <laughs> so um, are you going to try and save some seeds of this one, Eve, to sow, sow again? Well, I did sort of manage to say uh, a couple of pods managed to escape my picking off. Right. And uh, so I have saved them. Not whether they've matured or not, enough or not, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I expect I can uh, have another go and see what happens. Sounds like it's worth a go. You've got a bit of a gem on your hands there, I think, with how many? 1,500 pods that's, or flowers. That's that is ridiculous. That is, um, we were had one, the tomatoes. I was going to say, we were in the thousands this morning, aren't we, when it yeah. comes to numbers? So. <laughs> yeah, it just shows that um, the sweet pea can last over winter. Yes. Outside. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive, isn't it? So, yeah. well done, well done. Okay. Oh, no, I thought you'd like to hear results sometimes. We do indeed. Thank you, Eve, for coming back to us. That's really nice to, nice to hear. And we go to Tom in Pitsy. Hi, Tom. Oh, good morning. Uh, I, I have uh, two problems. I've had a camp, campsis for uh, four years. I've had three, actually. I've dug one up. Yeah. Um, it's grown absolutely beautiful, both of them. But I can't get any flower. I've got about two flowers, no flowers this year and about two flowers last year. They're the trumpet flowers, aren't they? They're beautiful plants, but they do need to be quite mature before they flower really well. So how big are your plants, Tom? Oh, I've got them by the fence and by my garage. Yeah. It's, uh, I suppose, about uh, six foot by ten foot wide. Okay. And you say they're still quite young. How are they? Is that one those? Is that no, what you're saying? They're quite young. You, you said you don't, haven't bought them that long ago. They're still quite young plants, aren't they? Uh, no, I've, I've had them in about four years. Four years. Yeah, so yes. for me, with the campsis, that is still quite young. You know, like um, there's other climbers like wisteria, which again, that will take, Same, that will take a long yeah. while to get to the flowers really, really well. And spectacularly, campsis are similar um, in that they do need. Uh, you're talking a good four or five years for them to start flowering really, really well. They also need full sun. Um, so have you got? are they in the shade or the sun, Tom? Uh, they're in semi-shade. Okay. Two. But yeah. the other one that I dug up after three years, uh, that was in full sun. They do prefer all, full all sun. All done was, was grow about 20 foot. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they do. They're, vig they're vigorous plants. Very vigorous. When I was at Wisley, they had one on the front of the, the uh, laboratory hmm. building there, and it was it was a massive building, and the campsis did flower, but it was a good thirty foot tall. But so, this yeah. year is it? This year, funny enough, is a good year for them because yeah, it's it been be. very hot and sunny. Mm. Uh, in fact, last year they did quite well, which I never really understood because I went past some in London and they yeah. were absolutely fantastic. But we had a late push of sun. Yeah, they need sun at this time of the year they really to do. really go but yeah. they take time yeah i think patience You're just impatient. Tom. and also if you can try to anything that's shading it too much if you can prune those back a little bit then that will help your cause as well and feed them with a the high potash fertilizer all summer did high you have an potash that's the tomato one is it that's the do. one yes did you have another problem yep yes uh, I, I've, I've got some bush roses yeah uh they they uh, they uh 
flower beautifully, but on on the second flush, all the leaves go yellow. Now, this has happened for two or three years. I've had these roses for donkey's years. Do they go brown uh, spots? Do they go to brown spots? Do they get spots on before they go yellow? Well, they, they've got like loads of spots on. I mean, I, I just look at them and turn away because it, they're so... They're actually stripping the, the complete bush down. Sounds like black spot, doesn't it? It does sound like, yeah, either like mildew or, or rust or black, black spot, spot or something like that. I'd just, next year, I would spray early, as soon as the leaves appear, spray them with something like rose clear or similar. Yeah, or multi-rose. Or That's multi-rose. what we use. It's, it's, yeah. it's only the second flush. It's not the first flush. Oh, maybe they've got enough vigour to start the year out really well, but then they're they're sort of like fading a little bit by the time the second flush comes. So along. when you when you take your take your flower off, cut your flower your dead flowers off off the first flush, then give it a good good uh, spray. Good then. spray, yeah. You can buy what these. Um, you can buy as I say, multi rose or um, what was the one you mentioned, Ken? Rose clear. Rose clear, yeah. So you can buy some that are fungicides and also insecticides and a feed at the same time. So they're combined. So it's just one spray, but it's hitting all the rose ailments on the head in one hit. And they, 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 they do work. And we go to Derek in Stanford. Hello, Derek. Uh, hello, Ken. What can um, you do? What are we talking my problem, about? My problem is minor bees. They're not uh, really a problem. They're something we have to try and look after. <laughs> Well, do we? Yes. There's thousands and thousands uh, on my front lawns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically they're stopping us from doing any weeding and what have you. I mean, I've been told that they don't sting. Yeah, uh, have but you been... Unless they're... Uh, um, uh, they think they're threatened. Right. And have you been stung by any, Derek, or not? A couple of stings, that's all. But yeah. uh, so yeah. I don't go out there anymore. Uh, I can't uh, do too much in the garden anyway, mm-hmm. uh, because of my condition at the moment. Anyway, right. But you're concerned about these bees, are you? Do you have like a sandy soil in your in your lawn? Is it nice, free-draining sandy soil? Uh, they're producing the sand. Uh, they're digging up the sand yeah. from yeah, they will. Uh, below and leaving it on the top. Yeah. Yeah, that's what will happen with these these sort of like um, what we call they're, they're called a solitary bee. Solitary although, bee, although, although they, they actually live in colonies. Yeah, exactly. But they're not living in a hive no. like the, some of the, like the other social no, no, bees they will they do. No, they actually bury so. into the ground. That's right. And, yeah. and they've got holes all over the. Uh, well, the thing is, the, lawn. the thing is, we wouldn't recommend you get rid of them at all no. because they're very very important in in our in our life cycle, let alone anyone else's. Because yeah. without bees, we would die because we couldn't produce um, food. So there isn't anything that I'm sure Lucy would recommend that would actually eliminate I wouldn't want bees. To spray, no, I wouldn't want to recommend anything that's no. going to harm them, I'm afraid, Derek. So what you could do, if you wanted to deter them, um, you could make sure that the lawns kept wet, wet water them. So Because water they're not going to the like that. regularly, they do not like wet conditions. They like the sunshine and they like free-draining soil, all these um, soil-burrowing bees. So... That might be a way to do it without actually harming them, just nudging them on into the neighbour's garden. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.
Right now on the BBC Assets Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Lucy have got some more top tips for you. The thing I've been finding, Lucy, is that, you know, looking at apple trees, um, especially in some of the gardens that we look after, uh, people don't pick their apples and suddenly you see, hang on, that's brown rot that's dropped on the ground. Mm. And it's so important. Cleanliness is so important. So I've now looked in the tree itself and removed all the all those sort of uh, encrusted brown rotten apples. But they need to go away to the local authority rather than leave them in your garden. And in fact, it means you also have to clear up those leaves and do this exactly the same with them as well don't you yeah yeah brown rot like you say is um especially if you haven't thinned your apples out they're all um congested and they can if they're rubbing against each other and then they get a wound then the brown rot will spread from one apple to the to the next to the next so yeah it can be quite cleanliness is the most important thing isn't it yeah with all these uh, things yeah. now that you can't really spray for hygiene is really important so get rid of them, get them out the garden. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so what you got for us then, Lucy? Well, I want to talk about ponds, because we've got a lovely, um, at East London Hall, there's a moat surrounding the house, which is, is looking beautiful and pristine. Our village pond, on the other hand, at Fingering Ho, is covered in pondweed. And I think because it's been so hot again this summer, it's allowed any invasive pondweeds like duckweed or mm. Canadian pondweed, anything like that. Or we have a zola on our village pond, Ooh. a real swine to get rid of. Um, but now that temperatures are really cooling down, especially the night times one, if you feel motivated to get in there and get rid of any of these weeds, then now would be a great time to do so. Um, scoop off the weed, leave it on the side of the pond so that anything, any amphibious creatures can then crawl back into the water. But also look and see if any of the pond plants need lifting and dividing. You can do that in the spring, but you can also do that in the autumn and it will save you a job in the spring. And put them into a basket, usually, preferably. Yeah, exactly. Good, good soil, but then yep. put gravel put over gra- the top to it, stop them floating out. Yeah, yeah. And bog garden plants as well. We're renovating our bog garden at East Donlan Hall and we're doing the same. We're lifting up plants we're splitting and dividing cut that you can cut the top growth back because it's going to die back very soon anyhow so it's not going to harm the plants tidies it it up as well tidies everything up it just rejuvenates these plants because often they can get old and congested in the center and it's only the external the sort of circumference of the plant that's looking really healthy and they're all dead in the center so get rid of the dead bit keep the edge bits rejuvenate them job done thank you lucy let's get straight back to your gardening questions now Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Hello, Rita. How can I help you? Oh, yes. Um, I've got a salix bush. Yeah. And um, I don't know when to cut it because it's looking, you know, what I call a bit scruffy. Right. Tell us more. Is it one on a, on a stem? Has it, got a, has it got a stem on it or is it just a bush? Well, it's a bush. It's quite a big bush, and it's got quite quite a big. Right. Um, what colour are the leaf? The leaves are green. Yep. But they are some of them are light green. Um, there's not hardly any pink on them. Trying to work out what kind of willow it is. Yes, that's Rita. what we're I think that's the thing on. because. Um, is it weeping? Does it weep down? Yes. Yes. So it's like an umbrella. Yes, yes. Oh, so it might oh, be a, a Kilmarnock it's, it's willow. It's Kilmarnock willow, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and you just want to tidy it up, Rita, do you? Pardon? You just want to tidy it up. Oh, just tidy it up, right. Because uh, somebody said, um, I think they read it in a book or something, you don't really cut it until next March. You can, um, the main time to prune the Kilmarnock willow, whenever I do them is in the, in the winter, when they're fully dormant. 
Um, you can prune them in the spring Any and the summer, it doesn't wood. matter, but it's just that you can see the outline of the tree really clearly when all the leaves are off. So that's a nice time to, thin, that, sometimes they get a bit congested and you can thin out some of the growth if they, they get lots of dead wood underneath that canopy and you can take that out. Um, but it's if you wanted to, I think you're right, Lucy. Go underneath the oh, tree definitely. and take out the dead wood and thin some of those larger branches. Right. Yeah. 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 Get your goggles yeah, on and go underneath it. But for the moment, you just want if you just want to sort of shape it. Um, there's no reason why you can't. Any bits that are over long or dangling where you want to get the mower underneath the tree or anything like that, you can take those off now. That's not going to harm it in any way at all. No, it's um, it is dangling, and also on the lower part of the. Uh tree there's a lot of new shoots coming out hang on from the base of the tree do you mean yes yeah. by the ground cut those off because mm. they're they're actually what it's grafted onto and you do not want those at all so cut those out completely okay all right thank you yeah, that's, that's okay thanks that's Rita in Oak Hill and don't forget the number is 0800 111 we talked to John in Lee hi John good morning Ken um back to Bourganvillea again yep um we bought one this year and put it in a porch. Um, it's west, south and west facing, and it has absolutely loved it in there. Flowered and flowered. It's even new flowers now. But how can we overwinter it? Ah, so the, the porch itself, are you worried that that's going to get too cold, John, in the winter? It doesn't get too cold, but it gets quite cold. I mean, it doesn't frost up on the inside of the glass or anything like that. Okay. Should okay. be all right, shouldn't I it? Think They're it might just be not okay. frost hardy, are they? Yeah, yeah. What you could do, John, just to double double um, belt and braces yourself is to cover the pot in some bubble plastic just around the outside just so the root ball doesn't get too cold at all. Um, but the top growth, I think that, like, can it, and I say that will be fine. It will drop its leaf. Yeah. It will drop leaf. It might be bald through the winter, but don't worry not about to worry. it. No. no. No, it will leaf up again. Incidentally, on watering, the lady was saying, "What? Because we've been out to Spain and seen the wonderful ones out there, um, I let mine get quite dry before I water it." That's right. I don't know mm. They don't like to be overwatered. Yeah, so, especially when it when um, it gets the water cold. Just runs through into a bowl at the bottom, and um, then, as I say, I don't water it for two, three or four days. Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, don't that keep drier rather than wet, John. Definitely. And we go to Chris in Braintree. Hi, Chris. Hello there. Good morning. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a, a, a little bit of a problem with some chilli plants. Yeah. Um, I, I bought um, one of those, I don't know if you've seen them, but it's like a, a small metal bucket with a packet of um, uh, compost or something and a packet of chilli seeds. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the first thing was that the illustration on the sleeve that it came in was of a plant bearing lovely, bright red, plump chilies, And what few chilies I've had have been more like the little green finger chilies. Now, I don't really have a problem with that. And the main problem is that it's been very tall and spindly, and I've only had about three or four chilies off of it that have, you know, come to be useful. Yeah. But there are loads of little tiny, very, I mean, absolutely minute um, chilies that don't seem to be doing anything. They don't seem to be growing. Um, and I'm wondering what I've done wrong. What time did you sow that, Chris? Was it um, February, March, or are we talking later in the year? It was around about February, March. 
right oh, okay. time. So that that's was the, the perfect time. time. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that, that's the one thing with chilies. If you get some that are very, very hot, if you sow them too late in the season, then you come to autumn and then so they literally are just starting to warm up and they're actually starting to crop and flower really well. But no. you sowed yours early enough, so no, that shouldn't plant, be a problem. If the plant is leggy, um, it's worth in future always nipping the top out and encouraging it to branch. Right. So that's quite important. Yeah, and also these, full sun as well, they yeah. need. Where have you got it? Um, well, I've got it on a self-facing windowsill. Should be good. Yeah. yeah. So you're doing everything right. Do you right. think it's the wrong plant in the wrong package? It might it's be. Not, it's not reddening, because they should have reddened up, shouldn't they? Yeah. And, and what, what size is the little um, bucket, the little tin that you're growing it in, Chris? It is. Hold on. I have a tape measure here. Brilliant. <laughs> We're going to get a precise um, answer to the millimetre. <laughs> um, seven inches in old money. And that's, that's diameter, diameter. Or, that's diameter. Diameter. That's and the enough, height yeah. is, um, oh, just, uh, just under eight inches. That yeah. should be sufficient for a plant like that. It should for one chilli plant. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Oh, what a shame. I wonder I if I think it's say the, the wrong one. It sounds like the variety was just a, a little bit suspect, possibly, because you've sown yeah. early, you've got it in the sun, you've got it in a decent sized pot. If you feed it with tomato fertiliser as well, then everything should be happy. But you should be able yeah, to keep that I, through to next... I haven't fed it. Oh, that's okay. not going to help. No, but, no. But you, should be to, you should be able to keep it through till next year anyway. Right. Oh, Couldn't that's OK I, then. Yeah. I would do that. I've, I've got, you know, it, it's, um, it, as I say, it seems it seemed to have produced a few green finger chilies, not the chilies as illustrated on the, um, on the sleeve. Um, I would has... ra- just out of interest, Chris, um, I, I would enjoy the chilies that you've got, but I would also write back, if it is a manufacturer, don't tell us whom, but if it is a well-known seed company, write to them and tell them, because they will possibly send you another one. They are very good oh. seed companies. OK? That's an idea. OK, well, thanks very much. That's Chris in Braintree. You've got the wrong plant. I think he has, don't you? It doesn't sound right to me. And uh, we now go to Phyllis in Wivenhoe. Hello, Phyllis. Yes, hello. Good morning. We're I on figs, are we? Last week about <laughs> my fig tree. Yes. That the leaves were dropping off. Well, I, I know nothing about fresh figs. And I now have a naked tree, no leaves, but about 40 or 50 figs. Yep. Um, they're all still very hard, some are brown, and I don't know what to do with them, right, how and, I'm be- just, and they're not very large. Right, what I was explaining last week was that some fig trees are dropping their leaf already, I know some in some of the gardens I yeah. go to are, which is what I said, mm-hmm. some yeah. are green, some are dropping, it depends on their water, and the amount of water they've picked up this year. Is it in the pot, Phyllis, your fig, or in the ground? Um, they're in a pot, but yeah. they're, in, they're in quite a large pot. Yeah. Yeah, it might have just might have just dried out a little bit, and which is causing the premature leaf drop. How big are the figs that are left? Oh, they're not as big as a golf ball. No. They might just be no they, bigger. They won't most likely will not ripen up this year, will they? No, right. especially if the tree's been stressed out because it's dropping its leaves. So right. I, I would think that the the tree's still going to be perfectly okay. I think it's just the heat wave has maybe encouraged it to dry out in the pot. So for the moment, uh, leave well alone. Uh, We've mentioned earlier on that those figs will probably just will fall off as the cold um, gets hold of them. They'll probably just fall off without ripening up. And uh, in the spring of next year, uh, the tree should leaf up. If it's died back at all, cut those bits out, uh, keep it well fed, 
well watered. That's the important thing with figs. Don't they do like the out. sunshine, but, but they also like they like to be kept moist. Yeah. And Angie, we go to in Southend talking goji berries, aren't you? Yes. Uh, good morning, folks. Hi. 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 Um, yes, I have a two goji berry plants uh, flowering beautifully. The little purple flowers. Mm-hmm. When they die, it's just like um, dry. There's no um, seed. They, uh, I'm not getting no berries. any berries. You're not getting the berries. How old no. are your plants, Angie? Are they still young or are they quite established? Um, only, what, a couple of years? Okay, I reckon that might be the thing. Um, we've got goji berries growing naturally in the road um, along from us at Fingering Ho. And I often see people scrumping along there, but those plants have been there for years. a long, long, long time. And uh, they crop really well. And I think plants that are only a couple of years old, a goji berry is a, a sort of suckering uh, shrub that sends out long arching shoots and they take a while to build up. So be patient. As long as the plant's healthy and it's flowering um, and it's yeah, the, leaf, the leaves are nice and green, then you're good. Just, just yeah, the passage of time. Um, like, as you say, long, long stems. Yeah. But I saw like a shrub-like tree um, at uh, Two Tree Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like a small plant, like a shrub. Yeah. Rather than having all these tentacles coming out. Okay. That might have been pruned in a certain way to encourage it to do that or tied down. Maybe the branches they do were grow tied a bit down. Like a blackberry sort they're of very thing, sprawling. They? they are, yeah. Like yeah, you're they're saying. like a blackberry. They grow like a blackberry. Not yeah. A bit like that. So I think you've got a correct goji berry and I think you're just letting it grow, which is right. And oh, the, right. And the mature, the, mature, the mature stems will produce fruit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I was Patience for next year, don't you reckon, Lucy? I reckon another year or two, Angie, and you'll be eating goji berries for your breakfast every morning. They are. We go to Canvey now. Island in the sun. Hello, Roy. Good morning to you. Yes, it is the island in the sun today. Very, very nice. Good. I've got a mature apple tree in my garden. It's about 15 feet tall. It was a big tree when we moved in here about 18 years ago. Uh-huh. It was pruned two years ago by a company that said they were the experts, although when they went to, get, when they went to work with a chainsaw, I wondered whether they were or not. But the result is now this year I've got a mass of water shoots. You have. Right. You will do. Spindly shoots about three foot long. How do I get rid of them? Should I get rid of them? And when is the best time to prune it? Last month. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right, really, isn't it, well, Lucy? Well, yeah. If you're taking yeah. out water shoots, last month would have been your best month. I'd still do it. Right. Yeah, what's happened, Roy, is they've probably pruned it a bit too hard. Or any mature tree where you take out large limbs, the result often is that you get a thicket of water shoots that looks a bit like a hedgehog. They it all is, shoot up is, vertically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. inside the tree, it's, it's just a huge mass of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've been a bit brutal with it, I think. Thin, thin them and take some of them out now, I mm. would, yeah. honestly, yeah. because the plant is still, the sap's still rising. They're not dropping leaf yet. I'd still do it right now. Yeah. And the only thing you can think, so this is the, this is the silver lining to your cloud, Roy, is that what you've got now is so many shoots, you can, all, you can choose the best ones to make these new... Uh, replacement Bunch limbs. Branches. Yeah, right. so anything that's weak and distorted, take Get that out. Of. Anything yeah. that's really strong and shooting skywards, you think, well, that's never going to work. Take that out. Right. And keep the ones that are of medium vigour, that are very well placed. And crossing branches, we take those out. Yeah, well, take yeah. all that lot out. Yeah, if yeah. it's a freestanding tree, like the classic orchard shaped it, it tree, is. yeah, yeah. yeah well, then it's, it's a huge thing. It's, it's about. What is it? Do you know what it, which one it was? I believe it's a James Greve. James oh, Green's biennial producer, I think that's a tip bearer, isn't it? 
Well, I don't know without I checking. I have a feeling it's a tip bearer. Um, but shorten some of those. The ones Lucy's talking about that you're choosing, reduce by a third. Yes. And I think that will help as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. So take out the weakest, take out the strongest, the medium ones. Like, like Ken says, cut those back to get a good shape. And that's it, it, eventually the plant will get back into a nice shape again. But it's, it's down to you to do that now. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips Lucy has for us this week. I love a nice bit of propagation in the autumn because the temperatures aren't too warm, but they're warm enough for things to root and germinate. And we've got lots of lovely penstemons in the herbaceous borders at East Dunland Hall and also in a couple of the urns on the terrace. There's some beautiful pelagoniums and I know they root really readily from cuttings. So... Now, as I say, it's a good time to do that because you know they're not going to get scorched by, say, 30 degrees in the day, say if you can't get your greenhouse in the day. Um, so take a section of the New Year's, uh, sorry, the new season's growth, uh, one idea that's not got flowers on it, uh, a section about three inches long, remove the lower leaves, and I put them into individual modules. I don't put them into one big pot around the edge. I like to put them into individual modules because then once the plants have rooted, you can leave them there for another couple of weeks or a month or so and then pot them up and they don't get root disturbance. You can literally just pot them up from the module. That's easy, isn't it? Yeah. Life should be easy, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) I think people do make gardening far more complicated than it is. Can do. Yeah, but it's our fault because we've told people the wrong things. (laughs) Or what? So our job (laughs) is to tell them the right stuff. Well, there is that, yes. (laughs) Well, I was always taught and I saw photographs of people dibbling uh, chrysanthemum and penstemon and uh, pelagonium cuttings all around the edge of one pot. Yep. Just around the edge, not yeah. in the middle, around the edge, because no. apparently the drainage is better and they root better. But then they all get intertwined with each other. And as I say, you, you, when you come to separate them out, you get root disturbance and then they suffer a checking growth. And you think, <laughs> what's the point of that? So just put them in. Make <laughs> use it simple. Your, use your brain. Put them in individual large, right. you know, decent sized modules. Not the little tiny ones. One's about two inches diameter. Anyhow, so there you go. So there's a little a, a bit of practical advice with a, a rant interspersed into yes. that as well. And what's your last tip then, uh, Lucy? Uh, well, I am a real fan of growing tomatoes. Absolutely love tomatoes. I grow at least half a dif- dozen different varieties every year. This year I've had black crim, uh, costoluto fiorentino, black cherry... Um, sweeted peritif, which is a really lovely little cherry tomato, tigerella, uh, all sorts, all sorts, and they're ripening. But because the nights are now getting colder, even though the days are still sunny, um, the ripening process is slowing down. You'll also notice that if you're growing chilies and aubergines oh, yes. and sweet peppers, all these plants do need the heat to ripen up those last few fruits. So because we're not getting so much heat now, there's a few things you can do to encourage your plants to ripen. One is, if they're outside growing in the ground, get a garden fork and just slightly lift the plant out of the ground so it's stressing the roots out. Not lifting it completely, but just unearthing it a little bit. And like I said, that encourages the plant to dry out and it thinks, oh crikey, hang on, it's the end of the season, I need to ripen up those fruits. So that's what you're doing there. And also stop watering um, don't reduce watering so much that you kill the plants, but do reduce the water and don't bother feeding anymore. It's too late in the season to feed. 
Um, Pe- people do try and feed because they think, oh, it must need food, but yeah. in fact, it's not getting to anything, is it's it? It's not now. The plants, uh, if you look at the the sort of the growth of the plants, the leaves, they're often turning yellow at this time of year and looking really tired. And as you say, there's just there's, there's nothing's moving around the plants. Really, Wasting your time. Yeah, it's the heat that's important now. So if you've got some fruits that are really tiny and small and they're never going to ripen, cut those off because they are wasting energy. Get those off, and then the ones that are large enough to ripen, if they colour up, great. If they start to colour and you think, oh, they're taking a long time, pick them and put lay them on a tray in your greenhouse or somewhere sunny and warm, and that will help them to ripen them up as well. And that's it. As simple as that. So thank you, Lucy. And let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. And we now go to, oh, shall we go and talk to Pete? I think we should go and talk to Pete. Hello, Pete, from Colchester. Uh, hi, Lucy, uh, Ken and Lucy. Um, I've got a, um, a broom uh, that I try and keep five and a half to six and a half feet high. Mm-hmm. I pruned it, 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 small blossoms, I pruned it late June when it stopped blossoming. Yeah. And um, I've been on holiday, I've come back and it's grown 12 to 18 inches and I went out this morning with my secateurs to cut it down it's blooming again. What do I do, <laughs> leave it? Or... A, lot of, a lot of stuff is blooming and it's totally confused. I mean, I've seen cowslips on the side of the road. Have you? I've seen a field of rape. I mean, <laughs> I just don't know what's going on this year. What would you do, enjoy it? I would enjoy it, yeah. Leave uh, because it till spring? brooms are fairly hardy things, aren't they? So mm. um, it's just the pruning, you've got to be a bit careful with them because if you hard prune them, they don't appreciate it very much. Um, no, well, I've done that and it's come back with a vengeance. So, oh, really? <laughs> and I've had it once before in the last six years. Yeah. Um, and it's gone on to virtually Christmas. Yeah. Well, I would enjoy. Yeah, I would enjoy that then, Pete. Definitely, and and just leave well alone. Put your secateurs away and sit there with a cup of tea and enjoy it. Definitely. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, Pete. Thank you very much indeed. That's Pete. And now we go back to Marion in Tiptree. Hi, Marion. Talking oh, lawns. Lawns? Are we talking again? Yes. Um, our lawn still hasn't recovered. It's it's south facing, and it still hasn't recovered from all the dry weather. Um, so we've got patches. Now, what I need to know is, can we put um, grass seed down now on the patches? We've got some lawn dressing as well, um, which would probably put down as well as the grass seed. But then, can we put down the lawn dressing later, the autumn feed lawn dressing later on? Basically, you can't fertilise where you have put fresh seed, no, can you? Can't. you? No. No. I thought you'd say that, yes, yeah. Now, so, could you put it on first? Uh, could you put it on first? I just, get, I I just focus on getting the sowing done, the patches, the and then seed, feed, in the the, feed. feed in the spring. Yeah. Just leave it. Just don't, don't worry about feeding at the moment. I think what the well, grass needs is just to be patched up and sown, and now is such a good time to be sowing things because we've got the warmth, we've got some moisture in the soil now, and I've been, I've been sowing some stuff in the kitchen garden, and the germination rates are really, really good. So, so get on with that. And ignore the feeding. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. So, is it as well to put a lawn dressing down as well? Now, do you mean lawn dressing as a soil-based lawn yes. dressing? Yes, yes, you could use that as well. Use that with the lawn seed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, don't worry and, about and the feeding till spring. And don't worry about the feeding. No. Do um, that in the spring, and you will be fine. Um, let's go to John in Basildon. Hello, John. 
Hi, uh, Ken. Um, I bought a little red princess patio raspberry um, in May. Right. I put it in a two foot across tub by a foot and a half deep. Uh-huh. John Innes number three multi purpose compost. You did it all right, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The first crop was good. The second crop has been um, brilliant. Um, sorry, the first crop wasn't good, um, but the second crop uh, okay. was brilliant. But, yeah, um, lovely. They, what they didn't tell me was when to prune it and how short to prune it. Um, I bought it from a good uh, yeah. garden centre on the 127... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lord, or- Lord Alton's place, yes. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> you've got it. Yeah. Got um, it. Right, uh, they're a funny crop, aren't they? Because uh, I must yeah. agree, I, I don't really know exactly. Well, I've, I've got, How um, do you do them yourself? I've got a dwarf raspberry at home. I don't think it's the same variety. Do you yet, prune it? No, I don't. That's what I was going to no, say to you John. Leave them, I don't, don't leave. I don't prune mine, John. I tend to don't leave you? it. No. no, and it just suckers and suckers. And I haven't noticed. It fills that the, old... the pot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got mine in the ground because I had because yeah. just right. because yeah. just because. But um, yeah, they 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 don't send, tend to die back as the other raspberries do. I just tend to leave it. Oh so, right. Yeah. So leave well alone, John. Right. Okay then. All right. Thank you very much. They no are. There's something no you haven't got to do. We have a Rita in Prittlewell. Hello, Rita. Oh, hello, Ken. I've got problems with a smoke bush. Yep. I planted it, must be over just over two years ago. I pruned it last year, I asked you, third of, of it. But this hot summer, all the front was scorched. It's right in the south-facing mm-hmm. open, you know, frontage. And um, my grandson's took a bit off. But it looks terrible. And it's getting bigger and it leans over my neighbour's garden. And she mentioned... Sorry? They do get big. Yeah, well, smoke bush, you know, it throws you, doesn't it? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, She's worried about the roots. Oh, don't worry about the roots. Don't worry about the roots, Peter. That's the least of her worries. (laughs) Don't worry about the roots. She's got a a water, you know, the drain thing. No. Uh, no, is it all right? No, you're talking about willows and eucalyptus that you need to be yeah. worried about oh, for roots. But a smoke, a cutting is all right. But how can I make it look presentable? It looks absolutely dreadful. Reduce it all over. Yeah. Could you do? Yeah, you, you could do it me now. A third last year. You could do that now. Yeah. It won't hurt it, and it will sprout and produce you a lovely-looking bush in spring. Mm. Will it? So, what do you mean by hard back? Um, well, for the moment, Rita, I would just cut it back to make it look more pretty because you've still got the leaves on there. Yeah, so any, anything that looks a bit dodgy, uh, cut that back by about half. And then the hard pruning, do that in the spring. So say oh, you can in... do it in the spring as well? Yes. Yeah. So for the, minute, just tidy, for the minute, tidy it up because it's been scorched. But the yeah. main time to prune your smoke bush, if you want to, is going to be in the spring. And you can. I, I've renovated them back really you can hard. You cut them back by down to... Yeah, down to three foot, two foot from the one ground. One foot from the ground, if you want to, Rita, and it was, it was, it will respond really, really well. It will throw up a thicket of shoots and look beautiful. We can still, we've got a line free. We can squeeze you in before twelve on oh eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's the number to call. And we go to Joanne in Clacton. Joanne Mechanopsis, is that right? Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I saw it on the Chelsea Flower Show on the telly. Yeah, uh, blue poppy. Mm. So I'm not a gardener at all. So I went to everywhere to look for this blue poppy and couldn't find one anywhere. So I decided to ground some seed. So I put them in the fridge for three months. So he's 100 seeds. And then one grew. So I put it in well a done. pot. 
Yep. And after about a month, uh, I thought I'd better repot it. When I lifted it up, it stung me, and it turned out it was a stinging nettle. Oh, so, no, Joanne. I, I can't believe <laughs> what it. What a shame. What a shame. I've never actually seen one in real life. <laughs> oh, so, that's not what I you wanted. Really, <laughs> the garden centre, and there sitting there was this one mechanopsis, not with the poppy on it, but with the leaves on it. Yeah. So I bought it, bought oh, it home. Fate. What shall I do with it now? Well, mechanopsis are f- quite fussy things. They like the shade, they like acid soil, and once they flower, brace yourself, most often they die. All right, so that's how mechanopsis. So she's got are. to really look after it carefully yes. through the winter. Yes, exactly. Would you leave it in its pot or plant it? I'd mm. leave it in its pot. But keep it. It doesn't want to dry out Self, too much, no, does it? Keep so, moist. Yeah, right. they they like sort of shady, moist, acidic woodland sort of soil. They're, that they're that's why they're mm-hmm. so beautiful because also they're quite tricky to grow, and that's why they've yeah. got a bit of a thing, a label attached to them. They're beautiful, but they're a bit bit high maintenance, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Shall I bring it in and put it in the conservatory? No. No, no they are no. hardy. They're no. really they're really hardy. No. Um they want to be kept outside. Um it wants to be kept moist and um not not waterlogged, but moist and the pot doesn't want to freeze solid, so try and maybe plunge the, the the pot in the in the ground so it doesn't freeze solid. And put yeah. it somewhere shady. Shady. Yeah. Kath from Billericay, uh, Fatsia Japonica we're talking, are we Kath? Good morning, yes, thank you. Um, I've recently bought a um, new one. We've got one in the garden that's grown quite large and the the leaves are very smooth. But this new one I've got, some of the lower leaves seem to be crinkling up and pulling in a bit tight, but there's no, like, disease on the back and all the leaves are lovely and glossy, so I don't know if there's, like, different types of leaves. Ah, normally they're, like you say, that lovely, like, acer-like leaf, aren't they? All Mm. nice and shiny. So it's got a bug. Back, or sometimes the older leaves just tend to yellow and fall off. That's what I found mm. with fatsias. So, are they are they changing colour at all, Kath, or are they still nice and green? They're still like really glossy, dark really good. green, and yeah. most of the leaves are like the nice flat, like finger shapes. But mm. there's about two or three that seem to have a real crinkled ripple effect on them. So maybe something like capsid bug had damaged yeah. it uh, I'd take months them off. ago. Yeah, take them off and get oh. rid of them. Yeah. Oh, okay then. Thank you so much for your help. That's all right, Kath. Um, this is uh, Bill in Basildon saying he's got an, an embarrassingly overgrown vine weed in his garden. What does he do? Well, I'd cut it to the ground, mm. try and dig it out, and if it re-emerges, treat it with weed killer, wouldn't you? Yeah, so bindweed or vineweed. Well, he's got vineweed, but, but I think he means bindweed, bindweed I bindweed. think he means. So that's all you can do is try and dig it out, can't you? You can, or like you say, you can spray it, but... Um, if you Only either, when it re-emerges, though. Yeah, and it's not going to re-emerge now no. until the spring... So if you want to spray it, do that in the summer when it's yep. got loads of leaves on it. OK. Now, John in, oh, John in Gallywood, he's nipped in here. John, we have nearly <laughs> oh, missed you there, didn't I? Come on, John, let's have your question. Oh, oh that's good, yeah. Uh, hydrangea, lace. Yep. All right. We've got one, we've had it for a good 40 years. It's been brilliant up until this year. And uh, it's, it, I think everything's shriveled up on it, you know. that's. But it's getting too big. Uh, if I was to get you know, a sharp spade or something and cut half the root off, would it kill it? Basically, mm, there's a good chance it will. <laughs> it won't like it, John. It won't like it. <laughs> why no. don't? Why do you want to chop the roots off? Could you not just chop the top growth back if it's getting too big? Yeah, 
yeah. Well, if I cut it right down, uh, would I lose the flower in this coming yeah. year? I would go through it and cut half the branches hard down. Mm. And yeah. then next year, do exactly the same, and you'll have reduced the size of the hydrangea. But not lost the flowers. Yeah, and we've had it for a good 40 years, I would say. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although that's, that, the way Ken said to do it, to stagger the pruning, do half one year and then half the next is the way to lessen the shock to the plant and also you won't lose the flowers. Right. Um, found a bag of 50 gladioli. Not myself, this isn't. That were a present I forgot about. Can I still plant them now or do I wait till next spring? <laughs> well, it's no good waiting till next spring because it will be too late, won't it? Yeah. So you've got to plant them now, really, I suppose so, but then it's a bit, it is a bit... I don't good. know what they're going to do. No, <laughs> I don't, they're not going to like the cold. But, Anne, pop them in the ground, because if not, they won't, they won't do anything at all. The best fig tree ever I've seen is outside Tower Hill. Somebody else said that. There's oh. a really excellent one outside Tower Hill, so that's a good one. And planted badly as the different colours. This is from Patrick, and he says he planted all the purples and blues, but the butterflies are attracted to the white one and not the purples and blues. Isn't that Whereas funny? Whereas we always tell people that it's the blues they like. Yeah. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget... If you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther.